This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We wish you a warm welcome from the Christian Crusaders Internet and Radio Ministry. With February come thoughts of love and romance. We invite you to look at the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to learn more about the lifetime covenant of marriage. Please stay with us for today's message, God's First Marriage. People tell many jokes about marriage and love. Just this week, someone said, marriage reminds me of the opening line in the Charles Dickens novel, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. But God gifted us with the covenant of married love so that we would be richly blessed in our souls And the marriage love that God intends is the foundation of a healthy home and a safe environment where children are cherished as well. Let's pray together. Lord God, you are the source of all love. Fill us with your spirit that we might love as you do. Thank you for each person you bring into our lives that we share love with. May those relationships be a reflection of your great love for us through Jesus Christ. And may we, Lord, in our marriages and in our home, reflect your love in a way that is a sign of your kingdom on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Unto each day what he did. 
Our scripture today is recorded in Genesis 2, beginning with verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the sky, and every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then God took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Dear hearers of God's word, grace, mercy, and peace are always for you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. How many of you associate the words paradise and marriage in the same sentence? In American culture, we grew up listening to Snow White from Walt Disney's 1937 animated movie classic, singing the song, Someday my prince will come. It creates a utopian idea of love a longing of the heart for a euphoric, romantic connection that will last forever. This is natural. In fact, this is how God created us. But today I want us to look at Genesis 2, the story of God's first marriage joining Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Paradise. What can we learn about lifetime covenant of marriage from this story? The first thing is that God says it's not good for man to be alone. He's created us to be relational and to love one another. Adam named the parade of birds and wild beasts, but there was no soulmate fit for him. It's hard to cuddle up with a giraffe or share your mind with a monkey or think of a loon as your soulmate. So God said he would make a helper suitable for him. But one more thing about it's not good for man to be alone. The scriptures teach us that God created us in his image. And the essence of God's character is to love. That's why God created this world and we, the people in it, so that he could give his heart to us in love and share relationship with us in a joyful way. 
It's not good for man to be alone. When you and I, in our love relationships, give and receive love, we're reflecting the very image of God. Secondly, God did say he was going to make a helper suitable for the man. In our culture, we think of the name helper as inferior or subservient or of lesser value or status. But in the Old Testament, this particular Hebrew term is used 21 times, twice for Eve in the garden, three times for other helpers, and 16 times as a description of God himself. If the term describes God's action and heart, it can't possibly imply someone who's inferior or subservient. The term literally translates someone who is vitally, powerfully important, a person that is essential in support within a relationship, an individual who brings strength to another and seeks to bless them. No wonder God describes the woman as a helper, a strong, essential, powerful helper, vital to Adam in his paradise life. We would conclude from that that the gift of love, particularly the gift of married love, is God's treasure given woman to man and man to woman. It says that Love, in this sense, is something beautiful that the lover sees the gifted potential in the spouse and draws the best out of them by encouraging and affirming them. Love builds the other up and cheers them on to live for God's glory. So it goes on to say God fashioned the woman for the man. God designed the woman for the man, and we might imply that God designed man for woman. In our society today, there is a promotion of an idea of gender confusion, a blurring of the lines. I've even heard people say, pick your gender. But in Genesis 2, the Bible tells us something vastly different. It tells us that God, as the creator, the source of life, designed man for woman, and God designed woman for man. Though they are integral in their connection and made of the same flesh, they are distinctively, delightfully different. Male and female are harnessed together in a way that is a beautiful enhancement of both as they come together in partnership and companionship, they are stronger together. That's marriage at its best. God fashioned a companion for the man, and the woman was a wonderful friend and partner to the man. When I think of how God must have presented Eve to Adam, I imagine that Adam said, Wow, 
At last, I have a soulmate, someone who will resonate with my heart, someone who will dream dreams with me about our future together. It says that the man leaves father and mother and cleaves to his wife, and the two become one flesh. I've known through the years many wives and children who were left behind by their husbands who had many other higher priorities in life than the commitment and care and love for the wife and the children. That is not what God planned. I've also known young couples who the first time they had some fight or disagreement ran to their parents where the parents resonated with the perspective that their young person had married a monster. The term leave father and mother suggests that the new marriage creates a new family, a new circle of relationship, and that that new marriage has to have the highest priority of love of any other relationship in life. The idea that they cleave to one another also suggests that they cling tenaciously to one another in the ups and downs of life. When the storms come and when the sun shines, they cling to one another and find a way to make it work. You see, it's not based on a utopian feeling of the prince coming to create some romantic sensation within the heart. It's the commitment of the heart, man to woman and woman to man. Further, it's God, by his power, binding them together into an integral oneness that cannot be separated. The man leaves father and mother, the new highest priority, and cleaves to the wife, the commitment they make to one another for life. In the becoming one flesh, the two become one. There is an intimacy experienced that is beautiful, and that also is God's gift. Intimacy is defined as an interpersonal relationship which is emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual. In married love, the intimacy is romantic and sexual to give pleasure to both and further deepen their bond to one another. But it's more than that. Married intimacy is the closest of friendship with deep personal trust. Intimacy always has honesty, trust, vulnerability, unconditional love. In intimacy, there is an acceptance of one another within the construct of mutual respect. There is this promise made to one another that invites trust and a freedom within the love. That's the difference between living together and marriage. 
Living together, by definition, is conditional. There is a big question mark put over the whole relationship. We even use language like, let's try it and see how it goes. Therefore, living together is performance-based. I'll stay with you if you continue to please me. I'll live in this relationship as long as I am pleased by all that you do. It's performance-based. In contrast, marriage promises the heart in devotion to the other for life. The covenant promise frees the couple to relax in that relationship, trusting that with God's help, they will journey for life together. The covenant promise means that they do share mutual values, dreams, and goals. There is a oneness. You know that when couples in their faith journey draw closer and closer to Jesus Christ, they also draw closer and closer to one another. That's the power of the spiritual component of marriage at its best. Now, as you're listening to me, you may think, my marriage isn't anything like that. That idea may haunt you. Notice that the Bible is full of stories where God heals broken hearts and resurrects people to new beginnings. So if you have been in a marriage that ended against your will or by your will, know that God still loves you and invites you to receive his love and trust him to raise you up to new beginnings again. Perhaps also some of you are in a marriage where there have been painful moments that have wounded your heart and seeded sadness and distrust. I encourage you to ask Jesus to forgive you for your failings and to empower you to forgive the other the wrong that was suffered so that there may be healing in the love. Jesus in John 15 said, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you abide in me, love will flow. As you abide in me, you will have great joy. As you abide in me, you will enjoy fullness of life. Bring the needs of your marriage to Jesus Christ and ask his spirit to come in to maximize the wonderful potential of your love. Some of you also may have developed patterns of relating to one another within the marriage that are not healthy. You spend your time bickering, nagging, and hypercritical of one another. Again, I ask you as by faith you abide in the grace of Jesus to ask Jesus' spirit to break those negative patterns and to empower new patterns of loving each other that are filled with mutual respect, sensitivity, and compassion. Also, 
some of you in the course of your marriage may feel like you now live with a stranger. You've grown apart. Ask Jesus' spirit to rekindle your love and affection, to heal the breach, to reconcile your hearts to one another and restore your joy in the marriage. The oldest couple I ever had the pleasure to marry was Ralph and Gina. Ralph was 90, Gina 84, when they spoke their vows to one another in God's presence. At the end of their marriage ceremony, I invited them to kiss, and their kiss lasted over 30 seconds. And when they parted, Gina announced, that's just a foretaste of the feast to come. They were filled with joy. Their faces were beaming. Even though both of them had been through some rocky moments in previous love and marriage relationships, yet they in faith believed that the love of God in a marriage would fill them with joy and hope and a new beginning. May the Lord Jesus himself Bless all your love relationships. Strengthen your households and families. And rekindle the fire of love and passion in your marriage. Turn your heart toward home 
Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, bless our homes, bless our families, bless our relationships, bless our marriages. Give us strong faith and give us the courage to love as you love us. Empower us to forgive as we have been forgiven. Heal all the areas of our life where we are out of sync with you and with those we share the journey with. Come and make us new. Heal our lives in your love. In your name we pray. Amen. Hear this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been worshiping with the internet and radio ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray your home and your marriage relationship will be reflective of God's great love for us in Jesus Christ. A number of devoted Christian Crusader listeners have chosen to include this ministry in their estate planning. In this way, these donors leave a legacy of faith in Christ that extends far beyond their time on earth. To learn more about including Christian Crusaders in your estate planning, call us at 1-888-MY-FAITH. That's 1-888-693-2484. Please direct your gifts to Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. Christian Crusaders publishes a quarterly newsletter called The Crusader. Each issue is centered around a theme of spiritual concern. If you would like to receive this free-of-charge publication, simply drop us an email at cc at nas.org. You can also call us toll-free at 1-888-MY-FAITH. That's 1-888-693-2484. Our mailing address is Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. We are happy you chose to worship with us today, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting today's service was the Reverend Lee Lavig, pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Spencer, Iowa, and associate speaker on Christian Crusaders. Christian Crusaders has been broadcasting biblical truth for more than 81 years.